Well, since this is being live streamed to millions of people right now, we should probably get started. So good afternoon, everybody. Just a reminder, I'll be gone starting tomorrow, so we won't be meeting next Wednesday, sorry. Uh, Pastor Oster will be here on Sunday uh, to do both of our services. And uh, remember also Charles Wallace, who is entering seminary at the St. Louis Seminary. He's going to do our Bible study on Sunday morning. So if you can come and encourage him, that would be great. And Pastor Oster will be there too in case there are some questions that come up that maybe Charles has uh, some challenges uh, answering. But if you could come and see Charles, that would be great. I'm sure he'd appreciate that. But otherwise, I'll be back, God willing, next Sunday. Our first reading for this afternoon is from the third chapter of Joshua. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and set out from Shechem, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, From each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests, bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing down toward the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. 
Now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from the ninth chapter of Acts. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, He saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests, To bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came, as he sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who call upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus, By proving that Jesus was the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. We continue our recitation of the catechism with 
the next portion on the sacrament of the altar. What is the sacrament of the altar? It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. Where is this written? The holy evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul write, Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You have to wonder what Paul saw when he was fighting the church and fighting Jesus before he was converted. When Paul saw Jesus, what did he think of him? He most likely thought Jesus was a heretic, a fraud, a false Christ. And in fact, the scriptures don't say, we don't know if Paul was there when the Sanhedrin voted to crucify Jesus. We know when he's persecuting Stephen, it's been only about a year after the ascension of Christ. So we don't know if Paul had actually even seen Jesus before then. But we do know when he thought of Jesus, now he thought of him as a heretic. Same thing with Stephen, the first Christian martyr. Paul, when he saw him, he would have thought of Stephen as a heretic, a false teacher, someone deserving of death, someone that Paul needed to rid from this world in order to preserve Judaism. And Paul did. He was there overseeing the stoning of murder of of Stephen. And then after Paul finished persecuting the church in the city of Jerusalem, And by that point, a lot of the Christians had just fled after Stephen had been martyred. He got approval, as you know, to go to Damascus, a city north of there, up in Syria, a large city, so that he could also find Christians there. Because when Paul looked at them, he also saw heretics. He saw people who were tainting the purity of Judaism, getting rid of the law. And Paul wasn't going to put up with that at all. Until he was on the road to Damascus. And until he saw Jesus. Who appeared to him in that bright light that shone around him. And the voice that came from heaven. Which even the people around saw. But they couldn't see a body or who was speaking. Paul could no longer deny who Jesus was. When Jesus met him on that road. He could no longer deny that Jesus really was. Exactly what all the Christians were saying. He's the son of God. And it took that event. To 
turn Paul 180 degrees around to no longer persecute the church, but to allow himself even to be persecuted for the church. Well, as you know, Paul was healed by Ananias. He was baptized. He ate. And then as the scriptures say, he immediately began to proclaim to all the Jews in Damascus that Jesus really is the Son of God. That's because Paul saw it. Finally, in Paul's life, he finally saw Jesus rightly and understood who Jesus is and why Jesus came into this world. In our catechism portion today, we read... uh, the section on the sacrament of the altar where we have the words of institution. And those words of institution are recorded four four times in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, not John, St. Paul writes it. And his words, it's really fascinating, the words of institution that Paul records are the same as the Gospels. They're, They're listed in 1 Corinthians. And what's amazing about this is that Paul says he didn't receive these words from any other man. He wasn't taught it by Peter or Matthew or Mark or Luke. He specifically says, what I received from the Lord, I now hand down to you. That our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. So in other words, the Apostle Paul learned the words of institution from Christ himself. The Christ he finally sees rightly for who he is. The one who is, was willing and did lay down his body on a cross so that we wouldn't die. The one who shed his blood on the cross for the forgiveness of all of our sins. That's finally who Paul saw Jesus as. The one who sacrificed himself for us. And that's how we should also always see Jesus as. The one who has sacrificed himself for our release. You can ask a lot of different Christian denominations about Who Jesus is. You could even ask unbelievers in the world. Who've heard of Jesus. Who they think Jesus is. And you'll hear a lot of times. Oh Jesus. Things like this. Jesus is a teacher. Well yeah. He's a teacher. But he's a lot more than that. He's the one who allowed his body broken on a cross for us. He's the one who shed his blood on a cross for us. That's who he is. That's what we should see. When we think of Jesus, we need to see him rightly for who he is and what he's done. You could ask other Christian denominations who they think Jesus is, what he came to do. And you'll have some denominations, the very first thing they'll say is, well, he came to teach us to be good to each other. He came to teach good morals, like he's a morality teacher, you know. And Sure, yeah. But not just that. Jesus is the one who broke his body on a cross for us. Jesus is the one who shed his blood on a cross for us. You can live the most moral life in the world you want. That's not going to save you. 
But what Christ has done on the cross will save you, will save all of us. That's the only thing that's ever going to save us. Him. You could look at Jesus and come up with all kinds of things about who Jesus is. But unless we see him rightly, unless we see Jesus for who Jesus said he wants us to see him as, we're going to miss the whole boat. We're going to miss everything about Jesus. Because who is he? He's the one who taught Paul and Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and all the disciples that on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, broke it, and said, take and eat, this is my body. Given into death for you. It's the Jesus who said, take and drink of this cup. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Every single one of them. That's who Jesus is. And may we never forget that. May we always remember that when we come to the Lord's Supper, that when we receive the Supper... We don't just see bread. We don't just see wine. We see that this is our Lord who has promised that this is his body. This is his blood. Sacrificed all for us. Because there's plenty of denominations that look at the Lord's Supper. And they only see bread. And they only see wine. And they'll say there's nothing else there. But that's not what Jesus has said to you. Is it? He said that this supper is so much more. This is how he comes to you. This is how he proves to you that he really did do everything needed to forgive all of our sins and did everything needed to destroy the power that death has over all of us. And he proves that to you by coming to you and by literally placing in your hands The very thing that accomplished all that for us is body and blood given into death for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. May we always see Jesus rightly, always seeing him as the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the whole world. And thank heavens, he has. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.